Some of you have sent some very uh, good messages uh, to me concerning the sermons and, uh, and the preaching, and we say to God, be the glory. And thank you very much for the encouragement that you are giving. Uh, of course, the most important thing is that after this week that our lives are changed and, and that we get to know Jesus Christ a little better. I tell you, this world is a messed up place. It's not a place that you should be comfortable in. Uh, it's a place that we need to be passing through, do our best, do our bit, and be heading home to glory with Jesus Christ. And I'm so happy tonight that God is still large and in charge, not only of our past and our present, but our future as well. And so at this time, thanks again to the leadership team, uh, uh, Dr. Liverpool and uh, all the others who have made this possible. And I am so, so grateful and thankful for being in this part of the world, this neck of the woods here in Ypsilanti. Can we stand as we take the scripture reading for tonight? It comes from Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not found, they were not strong enough. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. Our subject tonight is beyond imagination. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, we give ourselves to you tonight because you are the only help we know. You are the only person who can lift us up out of this world and place us into the world that you have gone to prepare for us. And so, as this message goes forth, this simple message about the coming of Jesus, I pray, Father, tonight that all of us will get a lift in our spirits, that all of us will recognize that you are still coming again, and that we will seek to firm up our relationship with you, so that when you come, we can go to live with you forever and forever. If there's anything within this preacher, God, that will stand in the way of this message, I pray again tonight that you will take it away and let your people see you high and lifted up and be drawn to you. May the preacher himself catch a glimpse of your glory and be humbled in this presentation so that both preacher and congregation can have an experience with you that will be heavenly. This is our prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let everybody say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. This world is a messed up place. And I can share with you statistic after statistic concerning how this world is messed up. But tonight I want to share with you just two bits of facts concerning poverty. 
in the United Kingdom, where I'm from, there are currently 4.7 million children living in poverty. The United Kingdom is the sixth largest economy in the world. And yet, in such a place of wealth, there are 4.7 million children living in poverty, an increase of one million. As a matter of fact, in the United Kingdom, there are 63% of children, 63% of children who are living in poverty are living in families where at least one person works. So getting a job or having a job does not guarantee you living a privileged life. I turn my attention to the United States. Uh, this is where you live and where I am now. Over 11 million children live in poverty. As a matter of fact, this statistic is as, as real as 2021. And since this was taken, it has increased by one million. At least one out of every six children in the UK lives in relative poverty. And so, like antiquity, whenever there was famine or war or any of those things, children were the ones who suffered. Children were the ones who died. As a matter of fact, the value of a child was less than a slave. A slave was more valuable than a child because a child consumed, a slave produced. And so children were not even valued by the Romans writing to his wife. One Roman soldier stated, and this is in Jeffers, uh, he states, if it is a girl, expose her. If it is a boy, keep him. What did he mean by exposure? Well, just birth the baby and throw the baby at the side of the bushes, in the bushes, side of the road somewhere, either wild animals will eat the baby or the, somebody will take the kid and raise him, her as a, as a slave or something. But don't keep her if it's a girl. Uh, if it's a boy, he wrote, he said, keep him because boys were more valuable than girls. So this, what's happening in our world today, is nothing new. But all of these things point to one fact, that Jesus Christ has to come. You didn't hear what I said. Jesus Christ has to come. I don't need to go into all of the statistics concerning the, the poverty and, 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 and how people... But as a matter of fact, by the time this day comes to an end, which has come to an end now, there would have been 57 million people who would have actually died or starved or didn't have anything to eat. That's how cruel this world is. When the devil was cast out and Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 accepted his rulership, 
by Eve taking of that fruit and Adam following her, we find a world that was now sold out to the devil, a world that is now plunged into madness because that's what the devil brings. He does not bring happiness. He does not bring anything that's good. He brings madness. He brings poverty. He brings pain. He brings trouble and trial and travail. He brings stabbings and mass shootings and murders. He brings Hitler and Putin. And these are the kind of people that he brings. He, he does not do anything good for humanity or for anyone. He is a wrecker and a destroyer. He is someone who cannot be trusted. He is the biggest lie and the father of lies. Understand what I'm talking about here tonight. That the devil has brought confusion to this world. And Jesus Christ has allowed this confusion and this mess to run because he is a fair God. He wants everybody to see and to understand. The devil accused him of being arbitrary, accused him of being unfair, accused him of, 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 of not doing what he's supposed to do, not giving everybody a fair chance. Well, now we all have a fair chance. Now the devil has brought the pain and the injustice in this world and the racism and the slavery and everything else that you can think about that's negative and that's bad. Now we see who is righteous. Now we see who really is the devil. Now everybody has a fair chance to make a choice. In Matthew 24 and verse 5, the Bible says that many will come in my name saying that I am Christ and will deceive many. In these last days, the Bible says in Matthew 24, 24, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive even the very elect. Now understand this, Pastor. Even the very elect, even those that God would have put up, set apart for his kingdom, even those who would have chosen God over the devil, the deceptions and the temptations will come so strong that even them will be deceived if God does not shorten the time. No matter how strong you may think that you are, no matter how strong that you may think that you are, no matter how much you read your Bible, and study and pray. Never tell yourself that you have achieved enough. The Bible says, take heed how you stand lest you at fall. Because I know personally and from experience that it is when you are closest to God that the hardest temptations come your way. Somebody ought to hear me here. The Bible says that Abraham was now old in uh, uh, Genesis 22 and that he had achieved everything. And God said, well, I still have something else for you to do. In other words, never ever rest on your laurels of righteousness thinking that you have achieved, that you are now there, that that's it, that you will be there. No, keep praying, keep trusting, keep moving because God still has a work to do in your life. Some of us think that we are so holy 
that we are no earthly good. Some of us think that we are so holy, we, we want to point out everybody's sin. Oh, we want to say this one is going to be lost. You know, that one there, she's going to be saved. That, that, the, her skirt is too short. She, she can't make it to heaven. Oh, that one with those earrings? No, 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 no. That, oh, that, oh, mm-mm. suddenly, because we have attained a bit of righteousness in Christ, we have become the judge and jury of people's character. We see inside of the heart. We see where they're going. We know everything. Suddenly, we have become many gods, and we dictate where people should go and where they should not. Let me tell you something. You better take heed how you stand lest you fall. You be concerned with your own salvation and your own relationship with Jesus Christ. I tell us sometimes we do some stuff, Pastor. I, I, I don't know if we recognize that Jesus Christ is a coming and that he is the sole perpetrator of coming and saving and rescuing and, and judging and building up and taking to heaven. It is only Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 6, Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out, or look, he's in the inner room, do not go there. Why? Because deceptions will come so strong in these last days that we will be tempted to compromise even what we believe. Oh, I've done so many funerals where I see some of our people, our members, in spite of the fact that we teach the state of the dead, that when someone is dead, they are dead, 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 dead. When we, in spite of the fact that we teach that when someone is dead, they go down to the grave and they wait until Jesus comes. We hear sometimes our members make speeches about the fact that she's somewhere over there in heaven looking down at us. We hear them sing songs. She's somewhere around the throne of God. Uh Uh-huh. She's somewhere in the ground where you buried her. That's where she is, or that's where he is. In spite of that, we get carried away with the popular interpretation of these things and the emotionalism that they involve, and we forget our groundings. We forget, and we talk about deception. Deception can come very easily to us because we think we know everything and we know how to do it. So I'm talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ here. John 14, 1 to 3, you know it, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and I prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be where. Also, let me tell you something, do not ever get too comfortable down here because Jesus is still coming. And the first thing I want you to know, you may have heard it before, but I need to remind you and I need to tell those of you who don't know and those of you who are looking online, you need to know that the first thing about the coming of Christ is that it is going to be literal. It is not going to be some figment of somebody's imagination. It is not going to be some movie that somebody's creating someplace. It's not going to be some book that somebody writes about left behind and all of the foolishness. 
is with that. It is going to be a literal coming. He will burst the actual skies and he will come. It's going to be literal, just as how he came. Somebody hear me here now. And he stooped down in the dust of the ground and formed man. Somebody ought to hear me here. Just as how he came and was born in a manger in Bethlehem. Somebody hear me here. Just as how he grew up in Nazareth and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day to read Luke 4.60. Just as how he walked upon this ground and he touched the lives of people and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he communed with his disciples and he, 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 he ate with them and he lived with them and then he died and he rose again just like that. He's going to come back in person for each one of us. It will be beyond our imagination. He will come for us. The minute you get too comfortable down here, the second coming of Jesus Christ does not mean anything to you anymore. When you get too comfortable down here and you are working on building all your wealth and acquiring everything and doing everything and just getting stuff. Some of us have so much stuff that you can't find space in the house. Every time we go to a sale, we buy, and we find we pack it there, and sometimes you have to duck down in the house to see where and where, how to walk, and the kids can't even, even run in the house because things are all over their pack. It's just stuff, 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 all over the place. Now, where are you going to go with all of that? You're not going anywhere with that stuff. As a matter of fact, you want to know how much stuff you have? Wait until you have to move house. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> you got to move about. You wait until you got to move house, man. When you start to move house, then you say, but wait, what did I do with this? Where did I go with that? Why do I have so many shoes? Oh, so many coats? How many? You know, there's a rule of thumb. If you haven't worn something in three months, then you don't need it. Now, I know in these countries and so on, you have winter clothes and they can only be worn at a certain time. But some of you have too many winter clothes. Because winter is just three months or whatever. Too many. Too many. Shear them out. Give them to somebody. Let me tell you something. You have got to begin to unpack yourself from this world. Because <laughs> the world we are going, we don't need any of that. We've got a robe up there. Ain't that good news? <laughs> Hallelujah. We've got a slipper over there. Ain't that good news? You've got to start to unpack yourself from this world. Some of us are too tied up. In this world, we are tied up with the philosophies of this world. We are, we are tied up with the sayings of this world. We are tied up with the trends of this world and the fashions of this world. And everything that the world has to offer, we are in it more than we are in the Word of God. We are, we are on social media and we can tell everything that's happening on social media. Whether it be uh, TikTok or, 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 or Twitter. 
or Instagram or Face Facebook or whatever it is. We are all in there and we know everything. And you ask about the Bible, the Word of God. When last did you spend some time reading the Word of God? When last did you spend some time praying? When last did you, how much time do you know that there is something on your phone now, on your computer, it gives you screen time? And when you look back at a week, check and see how much time you have spent on the screen, looking at all kinds of stuff and doing all kinds of stuff. And then you think and say, how much time have I spent in the Word of God? And where do I want my strength to be? Do I want my strength to be as a social, social media geek? Or should I want my strength to be as a biblical scholar? Somebody ought to hear me here. Ask yourself, if we are going to heaven, man, start preparing. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody here tonight. Start preparing because the coming of Jesus Christ will be literal. Titus 2, 13 says, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus Christ will not only be literal, it will be personal. Why? Because God is coming for you and for me. He is coming for you. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. He's not coming just for anybody. He's coming for those who are saved. And his kingdom. Those who have accepted him as Lord and Savior. So don't be concerned. Some of us, we're too concerned about who's going to get there. The first thing is that when you get, you know, years ago, and I was a, a lay preacher, I heard somebody said, you know, when you get to heaven, there are going to be a couple of surprises. You probably heard it, you know. Your first surprise would be that you get there. <laughs> you, then you're going you're gonna, to, then you're gonna, the next surprise would be that people who will be there that you thought would never be there. And in a place where I grew up, we would say, it's good for you. Because you should have an open mind that anybody could make it to the kingdom of God. So you'd be surprised that some people get, wait, she made it? Yes, she did. You mean that lady with all those children that are different fathers? Yes, she did. You mean that girl, that young girl who, yes! She did, because unknowing to you, God was working on her heart. And when you weren't looking, she got saved. Somebody say amen. Praise God. And that's where the salvation is. That's the beauty about Jesus Christ. That's why I love him, man. Because he looks beyond our faults, and he sees our needs. He works with us. In our situations and our circumstances, let me tell you something tonight. Those online and those here in the church, let me tell you. Never ever give up on God because God will never give up on you. No matter how deep your circumstances are. No matter where you've been, where you've gone, where you're coming from. God wants to take you to a place that's beyond your imagination. So he's coming for you personally. Acts 11, the Bible says this same Jesus. <laughs> oh yeah, the disciples as they stood there bewildered. Now their pillow of strength is going back to heaven. Now the one who they depended on, he will be there no more. You know, it's like some of us, we have our parents around and we will not even pay any attention to them. Mm, you didn't know I was going there, huh? 
Some of us have loved ones around, we won't even pay any attention to them. You know, uh, when I, you know, funerals we have done, Pastor, we have done so many funerals, and we see some people crying. And you think these tears can't be genuine because these people, you know the experience. They have never paid any attention to this person while they were alive. But they come there skinning their faces, crying as if to give a, a show. You know, you know, back in the day in the Bible, they had hired mourners. It's the worst thing when your family can be a hired mourner. They come crying. Oh, oh. They come up with tributes. What a good person she was. And so never paid any attention. Never paid any attention. And now they're gone. You come crying because you are crying from regret of what you should have done that you did not do. And when the disciples stood there, they stood there in regret because they had Jesus with them for three and a half years. And instead of listening to him, obeying him, doing what he said they should do, they were busy fighting among themselves as to who is going to be the greatest. They were busy chasing away children who would come and mothers to be blessed. They were busy being confused and being prejudiced about Samaritans and, and, and Syrophoenicians. And, 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 and they were involved in all kinds of foolishness, walking behind Jesus in their stupidity, in their foolishness, while Jesus is walking ahead of them with his magisterial posture and his wisdom. Before they catch on to him, hold the hem of his garment and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. And sometimes we are like that. And so they stood there bewildered. Now what will we do? There's no Jesus anymore. He's gone. And the angel came and said, this same Jesus. <laughs> yeah, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. This same Jesus will come back. So let not your heart be worried or be troubled because the same Jesus is going to come back. Let me tell you something. The same Jesus who brought you here tonight is coming again. <laughs> the same Jesus who brought you through that sickness, who brought you through that pain, who brought you through that suffering. The same Jesus who picked you up out of the gutter and brought you to the uttermost. The same Jesus. Who, when you, who everybody had given up on you, everybody had written you off. The same Jesus. Who, when you had nothing to eat and you had no money in your pocket. The same Jesus. Who provided for you when you could not have that mortgage. And uh, you didn't have enough money to get the mortgage. The same Jesus. He's coming again for you. He's coming back for you. And he's coming not only literally, he's coming not only personally, but everybody will see him. He's coming visibly. Everybody will see him. Oh, the Bible says in Revelation 1, 7, behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye. Somebody say every eye. Every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. And then the sign of the Matthew 24, 30, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power yes. and great glory. He's not coming back 
born in a manger. He's not coming back born somewhere that is obscure. He is coming back with power and glory. Somebody say amen. Power and glory. Power and glory. He is coming back in all his royal splendor. That's the Jesus that's coming back for us. Somebody ought to hear me here. So he's not only coming literally. He's coming personally. <laughs> he's coming visibly. And he's coming again audibly. Everybody will hear him when he comes. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Revelation 16, 18. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty earthquake that, that never was. And watch what the Bible says. The Bible says, and, and every island fled away and the mountains were not found. You, you could imagine you have seen some earthquakes and you have seen some stuff on TV. And, and doesn't it look devastating? You saw, you saw what happened in the Safray there in St. Vincent the other day. You saw how devastated that island was with that volcano. I happened to uh, be in St. Vincent and passed through that place and saw that volcano. It was dormant, thank God, at that time when I passed by. Do you know that there's an underground volcano that sits between the islands of Grenada and Caricou in an undersea volcano? The, the seismologists, they say that it is so powerful that if it erupts, it will cause Grenada to disappear, Caricou to disappear, St. Vincent to disappear, St. Lucia to disappear, and any other island around there to disappear with the people. That's how powerful it is. And it is only God that is holding back that power there that is bursting to come out. The devil will love for that to erupt and to cause chaos and confusion with all these islands disappearing. That's why when you're traveling by boat between Grenada and Caracou, the waters are rough. Why? Because the underground volcano is there. When you think of the mercies of the Lord, they are not only new every morning, but they are, they are every minute <laughs> and every second of the day. So when you read in Revelation that islands will flee and mountains will not be found, it is a reality that can happen. It's a reality. I, I don't know if you're understanding this message tonight, but what I understand from it is that Jesus Christ is giving us enough time and a warning that he is still coming. Sometimes we tend to forget because we get comfortable with our HBO shows and, and, our, and, our, and our CNN news and, and everything else that we have in our jobs and our promotions and our houses and our businesses. We get busy and we forget that Jesus Christ is still coming. So there's no time to get comfortable. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, my favorite text, it says for the Lord himself. <laughs> yes. He's not going to be sending anybody else, man. And no Gabriel, man. No, no, no angel. He's going to come himself. I love this because you know why? He came himself and he made us. He came himself and he died for us. Yes. He came himself to redeem us. So why would he send somebody else yes. to come for us? He came himself in every phase of our lives and our existence. He put in his appearance in every aspect of our lives. Why would he send somebody else to take us to the place that he has gone to prepare for us? 
He's coming himself for us. This is personal stuff now. Because the battle, the great controversy is a personal one. It was personal between Jesus and the devil. Michael and the devil. It is personal between you, Jesus, and the devil. And so he's coming personally to put an end to it. Somebody give him a hand here tonight. He's coming to put an end to this. He's coming with a voice of the archangel and with a trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This same Jesus, even when you are dead, he does not forget you. Somebody say amen. Even when we die, he marks the grave. Even when we die, he knows our names. Even when we die, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He does not leave any stone unturned. He takes everything and everything so that we we can be saved. Don't you know that Jesus Christ loves you tonight? He loves you enough that he is God to prepare a place for you. And he is coming again to receive you unto himself. That where you are, he will be also. So hear this. Christ is coming with clouds. The clouds of heaven. Every eye will see him. <laughs> All the tribes of the earth will see him come. Every ear will hear him. You know, some people you are telling them about Jesus today, they don't want to hear. Well, you know, then every ear will hear him. They will come with a great earthquake, with the sound of the trumpet, and even the dead in Christ will rise. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, <laughs> in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will rise incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. We shall be changed. Don't be concerned about what sin will do with the body, how sin will cause this to deteriorate. There is a better day coming. Somebody say amen. And when that day comes, I will put on my real, I will get my real height. See, I have sinned and come short. I'm not supposed to be this short. I'm supposed to be about 18 feet tall. Ah, but one day when Jesus comes, <laughs> yes, I will get to my real height. Some of us have lost all our ears and, 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 and we are worried about that. Well, don't worry. God will take care of that again. He has kept the numbers in heaven. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Ah, yes, God is good. What do you say? Uh, Revelation 6, 17 says, For the day, day of his wrath will come. Some will run helter-skelter. Some will run to the mountains and to the rocks, and they will say, Hide us from the face of him that cometh. Some will run everywhere trying to seek shelter. But you know what? They will find none because the coming of Jesus Christ will encompass every aspect and every place and every geographical location of this world. The Bible says in, 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 in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8, And to give who are troubled rest with us when the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This text is not here to frighten us. This text is not here to make us scared. This text is here to tell us what will happen when Jesus Christ comes. You see, as a generation of people, we love facts. 
We love the truth. We love things that explain. Well, this Bible is explaining to you tonight that when Jesus comes, everywhere will be on fire. And that's the truth. That's the fact. That nowhere will you be able to run and to hide. So listen to this. He is coming again. He is coming again. His coming will not only be literal. His coming will not only be personal. His coming will not only be visible. His coming will not only be audible, but His coming will be glorious. It will be the most climactic and glorious thing that you can ever think about. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 30, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Oh, the Bible says, as for the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Have you ever seen a glorious piece of lightning? Have you ever had the privilege of seeing the sky light up? Have you ever seen, some of you may have, I don't know, have you gone to Norway and seen the northern lights and see how beautiful that is? By the way, in Norway, uh, there, uh, in, 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 you know, sometimes the sun sets there only four hours, they only have four hours of, of night. Uh, certain times in a year, sometimes just two and a half hours of night and everything else is day. Let me tell you something. And somebody said, well, how do they keep the Sabbath? Well, yeah, that's a good debate, a good, a good uh, thing for us to talk about. But listen, the glory of the northern lights will fade into insignificance with the coming of Jesus Christ. Ah, oh, Aurora Borealis will fade into insignificance with the coming of Jesus Christ. It will be a glorious coming, something that you have never ever seen. The world's best photographer or painter cannot paint a picture of what the coming of Jesus Christ will look like. Because eyes have not seen, Pastor, and ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the imagination, the thoughts of man, what things God has in store for you and for me. Nobody could paint a picture of what God will do with the glory of his coming. It is only when it happens, then you will see. It will not only be glorious, it will be climactic. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his uh, saints, Jude 14 and 15, to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly. God is coming. The angels will come forth in Matthew 13, 49, and they will separate the wicked from among the just. It will be a time of decision. It will be decisive. It will be climactic. Everything will come into one. And God will be able to say, these are my people. So it will not only be literal, it will not only be personal, it will not only be visible, it will not only be audible, it will not only be glorious, it will not only be climactic, it will be decisive, number seven. It will be decisive. Every person would have had an opportunity to make a decision for God. Nobody will say that God was unfair or unjust. God would have given everybody, as we say in the Caribbean, long rope. Long rope. To run. And then he will pull the rope. He, because he, this will be decisive. He would have been able to have given you 
everything God gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has given us grace. He has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to work with us all now, as we would say in Trinidad, all now. And nobody can give an excuse as to why they're not saved in the kingdom. It would be decisive. Nobody could go now and say, oh, I want to be saved. Nobody can go now and say, oh, I need salvation. Nobody could go now and say, please pray for me, pastor. Nobody can go and say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. I now want to be saved. It will be done. Finished. And therefore, whatever time we have now is the time that we need to give our lives to Jesus Christ and be saved. Whatever time we have now is a time for us to make our calling and election sure, to work with God, study, pray, give our lives to him. Because I'll tell you something, his coming is decisive. And when he is coming, when he comes, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When he comes, that kingdom that he has gone to prepare for us. Ah, just work with me as you see the holy city, the new Jerusalem, condescending from God out of heaven. The Bible says prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You know when a bride, a bride takes her time to prepare and to dress for that wedding day. The bride, it's the bride's day. It's not a husband's day. It's the bride's day. Uh, how do I know? Because all the weddings that I've done, everybody has been late. The last Last one, they were two and a half hours late, and it was the bride. The bride had to put on everything that she can put on, and what she couldn't put on, she borrowed, and what she didn't buy, she, it, it was the bride. But on a day when that bride stepped down the aisles, I saw the husband shaking in his boots because she looked like he had never seen her before. Beautiful, beautiful, the bride prepared. Coming down the aisles, the city of God comes down with everything in it. There is no more pain because pain is no more part of the kingdom of God. There is no more suffering. Just before coming out here to preach to you tonight, my heart is heavy. I received uh, the news that a very good friend of mine whose husband is just around 50. Is she, they have two little children, uh, eight and six, I think, and, and she's pregnant now. Went downstairs and, and, uh, this morning and, 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 and found him slumped over his desk, and, and, and he's now dead. There'll be no more pain, no more tears in that city. As I see that holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, a beautiful city, a dazzling city, a glorious city. And God has in that city the mansions that he has prepared for everyone. And we are in that city because the millennium would have come. And we would be in that city coming down. I can see the old saints who have built this church and have now gone on there in that city. Somebody help me. 
I can see those of our fathers and mothers and great-grandmothers who have passed on in that city. I can see the young people who have accepted Jesus Christ but unfortunately may have died from sickness or violence or something. They are in that city. I can see, somebody help me here today, the faithful saints of old in that city. I, I can see Abraham, and I can see Isaac, and I can see Jacob, and I, and I can see Rebecca, and yes, Rahab, who they taught, will never made it. I can see her there, and Ruth, because she was an outsider, would they say she can't be saved, but she is in that city. And there was a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery who everybody taught to be read out from the church and she could not make it. But I can see Mary in that city. And we're all there in the city and we are coming down and then somebody gives a shout and they say, here is Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus Christ appears, the light of the city, for there will be no more night there. There'll be no more block out there. There'll be no more poverty there. There'll be no more pain and sickness there. There will be no more ill health there. There will be nothing to remind us of this earth and the pain and the struggle that we have gone through. I can see the city. Can you? I can see myself being in that city. Can you see yourself being in that city? It's beyond our imagination. It's beyond what we can think about. Beyond our thoughts. Beyond our education. Beyond our preferences. It's beyond everything that we are about because it's God's city. Yeah. And God is bigger than every one of us. And I'm thankful it is God's city and not my city. Because God determines who gets into that city and not me or you. Do you want to be in that city when Jesus Christ comes? Can you see yourself there in that city? Can you see yourself there? Can you feel the atmosphere in that city? Can you smell the, the sweet fragrance, the aroma of righteousness that's in that city? Can you taste the glory of God in that city. Can you be a part of that city? Yes, you can. All you've got to do is to believe. Because it's beyond imagination. Our ladies will sing our closing appeal song tonight. But I, I, I want to be there. What about you? I want to be there. I'm, I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of pain. I'm, I'm tired of suffering. I want to be there. I hope you want to be there too. A great day is coming. Heaven's gate. Oh
accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Whether you're in line or in this church, I ask of you to contact one of the team, pastors or elders, they're all here, and just sign up with them. You may need Bible studies. You may need to be baptized. You may want a renewal of your life in Jesus Christ. Perhaps a rebaptism, some form of commitment because you may have strayed away from God. You may have never accepted him in the first place. You may have been coming to church and just being around church people, but never made a commitment to be part of God's church and, and, and God's kingdom. Jesus Christ is coming for you as well. He loves you. He cares for you. And he wants to save you in that kingdom. He wants to welcome you home. So, Father, thank you for your message tonight, and I commit this entire congregation online and in church into your hands. May this message resonate with us, stay with us, and guide us into your kingdom. And for those online and those here who 
need to know you more, a need to know you whom to know is life eternal, need to be baptized, need to do Bible studies, need to commit their lives to a life of holiness in you. Give them the courage to make those decisions because God, now is the time, now is the day of salvation. And as we go, take us safely to our places and bring us back tomorrow evening when the subject will be the four Ps of kingdom living. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.